Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Production. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. Uh, again, want to remind you, we just had a call before we came on the air wondering, you know, uh, what, what happened to On the Line. Well, Jacob under the weather, so there hasn't been an On the Line for the last couple of days. And he's going to be out once again tomorrow wanting to, uh, you know, for, for his and everyone else's um, safety, he'll take tomorrow off. And then he will should be back in the studio on Thursday. So that's the deal with, with On the Line. But we're here on the drive, Bill and Dan and Drew at the controls. It's the regular crew to get things started here on this Tuesday. You know, all, all the best uh, to Jacob, of course, as as he um, convalesces. So we'll, uh, we'll quite be- quite a few people are are you know battling different uh, viral infections, uh, sort of flu like type symptoms, cold just, and flu like symptoms. I just wanted to throw a four syllable word in in the first uh, f- first couple first couple minutes of the show. So no, but, but oh, yeah, all, all the best all the best to Jacob. So uh and he and he does a great job and, and on the line will be back soon. You're not you're not doing one of the Gus things. We wish him nothing but the best. In his, in his future endeavors. That's what Gus no. always yeah. no matter what when anybody was gone, <laughs> player, coach, we with him not wish him nothing but the best. No, we I mean with the uh, with the expectation. And that was like a yeah, uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. I mean, look, if decisions are being made, I don't know about them, but like if <laughs> with the with the expectation that on the line we'll be back with Jacob, you know, by the end of the week or so, but yeah, all, all the best to Jacob. Oh, absolutely. Uh now it is the Tuesday drive. That means we will be uh joined by Andy Burcham. Andy sent a note and said, "Sorry, Dan." I think he heard he heard you yesterday. Well, I got to go. No, no, no. He's got a meeting, so he okay. can't make it. He can't make it in person today. Andy only. He just doesn't want. He, he doesn't want to let you know that he is avoiding you. No, but no. well, no, and, and usually it's my fault because I'm on campus. But this is, uh, yeah, no. It, he's on campus today. He's on campus. So today, only one so. of you guys could be on campus at the same but, time. But it, it'll be great to talk to Andy. The, uh, the the broadcasts have been sensational thus far, which you can hear on Wings ninety four three. By the way, Andy and Jason, Will Herring on the team as well. So yeah, let, let's uh, we'll talk with Andy about. Saturday's game. We'll talk with him about uh, the uh, the season thus far. Uh, I would imagine we'll talk with him a little bit about basketball. Could get as some well. basketball, maybe chatter a little in baseball. There. Even baseball practice started yesterday. Base- too. Yeah, baseball practice underway and uh, and basketball. We know what well, we found out yesterday. The time of the South Dakota game between Auburn and Baylor, uh, which is still my assumption is Bill that 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 this is a. This is a buy by the tourism folks in either South Dakota oh, or, has that, to be. or that region. And it is an interesting idea for a city to want to raise awareness or a region to raise awareness for tourism. Like one way, I mean, because you see like tourism bureaus that advertise. I mean, there's Myrtle Beach ads right in the on, on, in the stadium. Like oh, you sure. see those like d- different places advertise different ways. Well, think- you're definitely going to get some 
some folks from from you're going to get some Auburn and Baylor fans who wouldn't be in the Dakotas yeah. if it weren't for this matchup. Yeah, and, and I would add to that there are going to be people watching on TV who have sure. have you know are, are unfamiliar with the area and and might may be convinced. Uh, based on what they see to travel there sometimes. So I think that's a smart idea, and I would think that it's it's hardly novel. I know a lot of places use college basketball as a way to boost tourism, but I think that's a I think that's a cool idea for just about anywhere in America that would want to raise awareness of uh, itself as a vacation spot. Yeah, I agree. So uh, we'll be talking with Andy in about fifteen minutes. Uh, until then, and and then when. Uh, uh, after if, we after we Auburn, spend some time with Andy, we'd we'd love to hear from you, our listeners. If Auburn played like a neutral site game in Panama City Beach, do you think you'd go? Like if Auburn if sure. Auburn basketball Auburn men's oh, basketball sure. was going to be like, all right, we're going to play. A, Probably be easier to get a <clears throat> ticket there than it is to, Pens- to, to Pensacola home might be easier for a venue. I don't know yes, if Panama City. I don't know yes, if Panama City Beach has a. Yeah, I don't know that there is. A, I wonder if they have a venue for for college basketball I, events, maybe an arena. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Isn't there a junior college? Maybe they could do it at the yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's um oh I can't believe I'm blanking on the the Panama City Junior College but yeah that there's that's there's not, one that's uh, used to be Okaloosa Walton no that's that's the Niceville one I think there's no, there's right. another one in, uh, in in Panama City but there's it's like it's yeah got there like are a, there are junior yeah. colleges dotted <clears throat> all up might, and down might be named after the county I, I forget in in Panama Rutherford City Rutherford is the county. Ooh, yeah, no, I don't think it's I don't think it's Rutherford. I don't think so. I was gonna no, say I'm, there's a there's if, a if so, then they haven't been they haven't been as competitive. Troy Troy had a girl uh, who played Drew look basketball it up. there. Drew yeah, Drew, Drew Finest, but, the junior. But no, but I Gulf Coast. Gulf yeah, Coast Junior. Right. Yeah, go, Oh yeah. Remember, yeah, because my, 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 my namesake, the baseball player came from. And and the uh yeah, the Oklahoma Walton one. They were going to call it Emerald Coast, and uh, and there was like a debate about whether. And or not I you think want, that is uh, whether I, or not I you like want, that name. Of course, I mean whether or not you want coast in the name of your school, and some people think, oh, that that designates like it's an easy school because the word coast is in there. But no, I, I not think, when you say Emerald Coast. No, I think you want to emphasize that you're near the beach. Like yes. that's what I would. That's what I would say. But but anyways, um, yeah, I think the South Dakota game is going to be a really cool event, and we'll probably talk to Andy Bertram about that a little bit. We have uh, speaking of baseball, playoff baseball is underway. Way with the uh, wild card games in the American League both underway, and right now the uh, um, Tampa Bay, uh, let's see, the Rays and the Jays are both trailing right now. The uh, um, in the in in the game that is the deepest, the Rangers leading the uh, uh, leading Tampa Bay four zip as they play in the seventh mm-hmm. inning. Meanwhile, Minnesota with a two-run homer from Royce Lewis in the bottom of the first. Edouard Julien. I was going to say Julien's in the walked lineup. Walked and yeah. scored ahead of the homer by uh, Lewis. He has had a you know I I don't I don't know exactly what the field looks like in the AL. Could he get rookie of the year votes? Like has he had that kind he'll of season? He'll get some. He'll get some. Like, consideration. It's uh, one one of the beat writers. I think it was uh, uh, Passan yesterday uh, who, who put out. Uh, just, just how many rookies made an impact this year, and listing them it in all a, the different. It was in it really I mean, seemed what, what, like a ban- larger number than usual. And, and maybe the rules to sort of dissuade teams from uh, playing games with service time and and getting teams to to promote guys when when they're ready or maybe even earlier than, than traditionally uh, teams have done it. Like I, I think that's that's boosted the number of impact rookies we've had. Maybe COVID nineteen uh, set some guys back, and now you you have you know it's it's a course correction. Too, but no, it's an exciting time. A lot of uh, a lot of top tier rookies uh, that, that we'll see in the postseason, including yeah, former Auburn player uh, Edouard Julien. Yeah, and, uh, he ended up two sixty three with sixteen homers and three hundred thirty eight at bats. You know, up and down a little bit, but uh, was was very much a factor. 
for the Twins down the stretch. So we'll keep you updated on those games. Again, 2 nothing Twins leading as uh, they play in the top of the second inning. Texas leading uh, Tampa Bay in the trop of 4 nothing. So the Rays, who... You know, a lot of, I mean, there, there was a chance earlier in the year the Rays were going to be the number one overall seed. Remember the start they got oh, off to? Oh, they got off to an unbelievably fast the, start. The Orioles got to them by the, uh, by the end of the regular season to win the division. How Who's, about that? The Orioles go from yeah. 110 losses just, uh, was it three or four years ago, to over 100 yeah. wins this year. And Melanie Newman, always want to shout out when we talk about the Orioles. Melanie Newman, former uh, Troy uh, broadcaster uh, you know, with, with ties to the local area. I think uh, family uh, Auburn people, something something like that. She's the uh, she's the play by play person for the uh, Orioles, and uh, and she's also made some appearances on Apple TV, on Apple Plus broadcast. But she's uh, yeah, she's a big part of that. One of the ways I stay up to date with the Orioles is that I follow her hmm. on social media. She does a good job keeping uh, uh, keeping folks posted. It's been a grim time. Uh, you know, for the last couple of years, but this season has been, yeah, just outstanding as uh, as some of the early draft picks over the last couple of years have, have paid off for. Uh, and isn't uh, uh, the Orioles uh, Henderson right? Like that? That's a guy that wasn't wasn't he? Uh, isn't there? Doesn't he have local? Isn't there an Alabama uh, tie to uh, to him? Or I don't know. All right, I'll get I'll get this right, Bill. Uh, uh, we'll come back to this. Yeah. Well. Anyway, so we got quite a few different things going on. We'd love for you to join in. We, we've got open phone lines here for the next 10 minutes or so. 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through. Uh, and uh, uh, anything you want to talk about, we had solid calls all day yesterday, as you would expect, following the Auburn-Georgia matchup on Saturday, which the uh, the, the Tigers hung in there but, but fall 27-20. to 20. Now an open date. Hugh Freeze has spoken at a couple of places. He was in Birmingham yesterday morning and in Mobile yesterday evening. You had the um, uh, the big golf tournament yesterday yesterday as well. So there's been media opportunities with um, plenty of coaches here over the last couple of days. So uh, we'd love your thoughts. Uh, did you see there was – Orioles uh, infielder Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar, that's right. Gunnar sure Henderson is. was uh, he played a uh, he played at John T. Morgan in Selma. Was an Auburn commitment, right? And then went to the uh, went, went yeah. To the pros. I forgot about that. Yeah, was was drafted in the second round, twenty nineteen, and has been a big part of the Orioles uh, this year. A guy who very nearly uh, came to Auburn, but Montgomery kid who uh, uh, yeah wa- wanted to come to Auburn. But when you're a second round pick, right, Bill? Like that's. Uh, when, when a major league baseball team takes in the second round, it's that that's that becomes it becomes that tougher. Is to very difficult, very difficult to turn down. Turn right, turn that down, e- even right. even if there's a team you wanted to play for or a team you know had had eyes on. Like that's a, that's a tough thing. But yeah, yeah, we, and, and and Gunner Gunner is is another guy very prominent in the rookie of the year. He yeah. had uh, twenty eight had twenty eight bombs this year. I knew yeah I knew he was a, knew he was a regional guy and yeah. I and I remembered the Auburn yeah the the Auburn commitment thing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, 334-321-1390, that's the number to get you through. You can text us as well. You can text the show, 334-564-1840, on the uh, drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, available however you listen to podcasts. Go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or uh, go to ESPNAU.com and use the podcast center. It's all presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Yeah, we were. Um, I was mentioning... Uh, basketball practice going on, and Auburn had their first scrimmage. Bruce Pearl yesterday before the uh, before the golf tournament, saying that uh, there was good news and bad news. The good news was Auburn scored it very well. They shot they shot very well 
uh, around 50% from three and over 55% from the floor. But he said, the bad news is that's against ourselves. And he prides, he's always, you know, prides his teams on defense. So we'll see if, if you know, hopefully Auburn's going to be a team that can really light it up this year. And that's not a sign that Auburn's going to struggle I do, defensively. I do wonder if that's one element of the changing climate of college basketball that Bruce Pearl is going to have to adjust to, is that he usually has kids who defensively progress from one year to the next to the next as they learn sort of what he expects mm-hmm. from his defense. But what, what, what about when he has a team that's largely first-year players? Right, newcomers who are... Um, scorers. Yeah, and who and, have been scorers first, and that's going to be it seemingly every year, right? They're going to be on yeah. that treadmill where it's it's the top players out of high school and the best players available in the portal. And if you can develop a player to like that, that's a that's a bonus. But yeah, I, I wonder if we're going to see the same sort of defensive fire uh, from from this team that we've seen from previous Bruce Pearl teams, because like you said, they brought in some some offensive minded. Uh, scores now at the same time you know we'll see I mean I I don't know what kind of defense you're going to get from Cheney or uh, Chad Baker Mazzara or Denver Jones or or Holloway like I guess that's that's one of the things that the season sort of hinges on is these guys who you expect to play a lot of minutes you know we we, we sort of know offensively what they bring to the table defensively it's going to be a little bit more of a dice roll uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's a lot of lot of new faces that are going to need to learn the Bruce Pearl way mm-hmm. of defense uh, v- very quickly if they want to be on the floor a lot. It's going to be a fun team to watch, though. I really think. I mean, it. Uh, Br- Bruce said he he feels like all the time they will have at least four players on the court who have you know the ability to score from from the outside and in, and and you know take it to the basket. So I mean, that is that's something more along the lines of what you would expect. You know, you can play a four or five out guys and anybody could hit the uh, could hit a big shot. I wonder if there's temptation to scrimmage uh, guys that were on last year's team versus guys that weren't on last year's team because you could go Yeah, I don't know how they I don't know how they matched up. So You could go um let me let me think about this. Uh, Holloway, Jones, Baker Mazzara, Johnson, Adarin versus yeah i guess you could and then that. and then the other one would be donaldson you'd probably, kd who's the three chris moore probably at the three yeah. if he's if he's available more jaylen, jaylen and, Janai. and Janai. i would say you put dylan over there to start yeah you got dylan other, too yeah or, you know dylan over, over with the uh, some of the new guys that'd be something to see though that'd be something to see though yeah yeah i and and i yeah, I, uh, Billy Don Billy Donovan used to do that a lot when he had a lot of new players. Mm-hmm. He used to always like that that championship Florida team twenty years ago. He was big on like those five guys. Like, one of the reasons they played so well, I guess, when they when they started playing on, on top of the fact that four of them were NBA players. Uh, it also uh, they they had played a lot together as sort of the not the scout team, but they'd been they'd been the chief reserves together for a year against the against the more established guys. And uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't know, be, be, be something to see. They go to the top of the eighth with the Rangers continuing to lead the Rays four zip. Jordan Montgomery, Cardinals fans, who started the year started the year with the Cardinals, who had such just a, a, a nightmare season, is twirling a gym right now for the Rangers 
Seven innings, six hits, no walks, five strikeouts. I uh, got the National League action tonight. Uh, Diamondbacks Brewers. That game is going to be on ESPN two. Right when when we get off the air at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, Marlins Phillies is the ESPN game. We're going to have that on ESPN one hundred six seven as well. So if you want to hear tonight's coverage of the Marlins, or no, do we have? Uh, oh yeah, it's Marlins Phillies. Yeah, yeah. Do we, yeah. So Mar- yeah, if you want to hear uh, Marlins Phillies, we're going to have that tonight on ESPN one hundred six seven. Jesus Lazardo. Going for the Marlins, uh, Zach Wheeler uh, going for the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies, the reigning NL champions after uh, representing the National League in the World Series last season. The Marlins, always plucky when they get to the playoffs. They've they've only made it what three times in their history. When and they, they make it, they usually they they usually make it pretty deep. And one of them is the 2020 expanded playoffs, which are kind of goofy, but the other two postseasons the Marlins have made as a franchise were the two World Series teams mm-hmm. in the 90s and 2000s. I don't remember don't remember too much about uh, those two uh, playoff runs aside from the fact that they they, they won the World <laughs> Series. Well, I do. It was 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know that that I mean the 20-year anniversary of the 03 Marlins World Series champions. Here they Sheffield are. And, and company. No, that's 97. Oh, that's right. Oh, th- oh, oh three, right. you've got Beckett and um, uh, Dontrell as a rookie would have been there. Mm-hmm. A.J. Burnett in the house. Brad Penny. They always had, I mean, their pitching Baby, baby Miguel Cabrera. Yep. 20 yeah, 97 years. was Levon. Yeah, 97 and, was Levon. Yeah. yeah, Sheffield. Conine. Yeah, the Barbarian. That's yep. right. All right, we'll get to our first break. Andy Burcham will be joining us when we come back, so stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Mark your calendars for the City of Auburn's household hazardous waste. On the Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Tuesday Drive. 22 minutes after 4 o'clock, Bill and Dan here in the studio, Drew at the controls, and we're uh, heading to the phone as we welcome in the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, to the drive. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm well, guys. How are things there? I wish I could be with you in the studio. I apologize, but uh, I have a meeting in the office, so I broke away from the meeting to be with you guys. Oh, well, we we appreciate that. We really do. You bet. it's, It's an off week for football but, man, there's a lot going on. I mean, uh, as, as we, we'll talk about football here, but baseball practice has started. Basketball practice is going on. They're scrimmaging. So there, there's, there is a lot that is happening, even though there may not be as much competition uh, for, for the fans to be watching. And I'm watching Edward Julian at bat for the Minnesota Twins in the playoffs against Toronto. So a former Auburn Tiger batting leadoff today. For Minnesota, which is up two nothing against the Blue Jays in the first round of the American League Division Series, yeah, so, we, we fun, to, fun to watch him play ball. We, no we, kidding. We tossed out there earlier in the show. I mean, he he might in a year where, I mean, there are probably more impact rookies than in in decades. Uh, he might he might find his name on some rookie of the year ballots. You know, out, outstanding uh, first year uh, for, uh, for 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 Edwa. So that, that yeah, very he, very he, very cool to see. He hits the ball as hard as anyone I remember at Auburn. And it's a max effort, too, you know. It's not the smoothest swing in the world, but, man, he gets some velocity behind that swing. And um, I'm, I'm glad to see him 
up and playing. It's, it's fun to watch these Auburn guys um, get up there, and, and he, he's their leadoff guy. He's the leadoff guy for the Twins right now. Well, he's there because he has such discipline at the plate. I mean, he – he doesn't uh, – I mean, he'll take a lot of balls, and he will, he'll draw more than his share of walks. Well, he just got jobbed on a strikeout that time, though. <laughs> yeah, he walked and scored his first time. Bill, yes, you, he you, did. You, you, want to talk, you want to talk a little baseball since we're already talking about Edwa and, and it's you know f- first day of baseball practice, as you said just uh, – Yesterday was, yeah. Just yesterday? Yeah, yeah went out yesterday, watched him, watched him practice a little bit. It's interesting because of the dynamic of, of practicing while they're literally – working on the new seating directly <laughs> sure. behind home plate. I mean, there were guys behind the fence digging a trench, which I'm guessing will become, I think, the, the front uh, the front part of these, these brand-new seats that are going to be field level. So those guys were working as Auburn was taking batting practice and infield and all of that yesterday. So it was fun to watch. Uh, interesting. Two different groups working out yesterday. Oh, one working on the ballpark and one with their first official practice of fall ball. Now I haven't had a chance to see exactly what it looks like. I, I'm hoping there's some protective. There's a protective fence there. there uh, is. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, they, they, <laughs> that could really be dangerous. Yeah, they've got a fence. I don't know, ten feet behind home plate. That that is the the barrier of the work area. While they work behind that, obviously on what will become those seats. So not a lot of room uh, on the field behind home plate now. It's gonna, not going to be a whole lot of room when Auburn opens. It's going to be less room, absolutely, season. than it used Much to be. Much less. Yeah. But as, as a result of, of the work that they're doing, uh, Auburn's two fall ball games will be on the road. Right. Uh, Auburn will play Louisiana Tech in Biloxi and play Alabama in Tuscaloosa uh, in this fall. So, Yeah, yeah saw those – the. Uh, um, Big story. One of the big stories is the guys who opted to come back. Um, obviously, led by by Joseph Gonzalez. But I mean, you get you get some guys that you know. Last year, we figured well, probably wouldn't be back, and not you know for one circumstance or another for Joseph, the fact that he pretty much lost the season after one outing. Right. Uh, great to great to be able to have him back, and saw where Butch talking about building him up slowly throughout the fall and winter. Well, and, and I guess he threw yesterday. I think it was one of the first times that he's actually thrown yesterday. I don't know how much he will throw this fall as he gears up for, for his final year in an Auburn uniform in the, in the spring. So health is, especially for, for Joseph, uh, it's got to be paramount for him because he hasn't had a season yet where he's gone through the, the year, you know, uninjured. But, you know, you also get a guy like Bobby, Bobby Pierce, mm-hmm. who we nicknamed Bobby Barrels or, you know, Bobby Bazooka. That's our, our nickname for him on the, on the air. Um, it's good to have him back because not only is he someone that is incredibly productive on the field for Auburn, but he's also one of those leaders for Auburn as well. Great arm from right field. Turned out to be Auburn's leading hitter uh, a year ago. And, I mean, he's a guy that you can pencil in every day in right field for the Tigers this season. And he gives you some instant pop in the lineup. And um, I, I'm, I'm sure it's a guy that Butch Thompson loves the fact that he is back for another year at Auburn. And I hope, I hope as well for Bobby's sake that he gets that opportunity. Then, you know, after this coming season, there are some teams, some major league teams, major league franchises that want Bobby Pierce. 
to play for them as well. Andy, just for me, one time this year, can you work in Bobby Bottle Rocket? Maybe. Bobby Bottle Rocket. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby. How would we in, in in what context, Dan? As, yeah, like if he hits uh, if he hits one real hard, right? Give give like like a Bobby Bazooka, maybe Bobby Bobby Bo- Bottle, maybe Bobby Bottle Rocket can be out there. Well, we call him Bobby Barrels. We also call him Bobby Bazooka because of his arm. Those are the two. And I've got to give the credit where credits due. Those came from Jeb Shearer. Uh, he is the nick. He is the nickname guy. So uh, the, many of his nicknames do not make it to the air with us. Those are two that did. Postseason well, Stephen came from Jeff Shearer for <laughs> for Stephen Williams. So. Yeah, Jeff. Je, well, Jeff. Jeff's really good. He's always been good at that. Not and and I, and, and I like his better than like the old a lot of the old Chris Berman. So anyway, right. Um, I agree. All right. The before we get off baseball, um, one of the things that you would feel like as we look ahead is the depth of this pitching staff. Got to got to be one of the strengths. Well, they and they and literally they have tons of numbers. Now they're at a point in their roster they're going to have to trim mm-hmm. the roster uh, at some point, either during fall ball or after fall ball, going into the into the season part. But they have a ton. Yeah, they have a ton of of, of pitching coming back. A lot of uh, pitching that that will be new to the staff. Here's another one that's going to going to be a little bit different: is seeing Ike Irish behind the plate. For the Tigers, catching those pitchers, um, you know he he was Auburn's DH for almost all of last season and was a freshman All-American, but is a talented catcher and will be given every opportunity. From what I gather, will be given every opportunity to be Auburn's everyday catcher uh, with Nate Larue moving on. So that will be something a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, and 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 hopefully for a, a Joseph Gonzalez, he's the anchor of that pitching staff and. There's no way we would have known or thought that he would be back for this season. Now, of course, he pitched one game a year ago and was terrific in that one game and then developed the arm trouble, and it it sidelined him for the rest of the season. Who knows what that team would have had with a healthy Joseph Gonzalez a year ago, and hopefully we get to see that this coming season, Bill. Oh, absolutely. Talking with Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers. Andy, can you hang with us? Absolutely. We need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Yes, folks, we will talk some football. We'll do. We'll talk football and probably a little basketball if we have time as we continue with our conversation with Andy on the other side here on the Tuesday Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan here in the studio. Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, joining us on the phone. And, uh, yeah, we, we talked a little baseball there. Let's, let's talk the, the season, the sport that is in season, even though it's an open date. Football, obviously. Andy, great atmosphere, great crowd. What a show it was Saturday. A tough, tough loss for Auburn as they played Georgia right, you know, right to the hilt. The number one team in the nation led them multiple times and had the ball with an opportunity to – to tie or or win the game in the final few minutes. And uh, that, I think, is just a testament to how hard this team is playing for Hugh Freeze. I agree with you, Bill. I agree with everything you said. 
And I, I think the biggest winner on Saturday was the Auburn family on Saturday and the atmosphere at Jordan Hare Stadium and the over 100 recruits that were there for football and men's and women's basketball and baseball and I don't know, all the other sports. I know equestrian had recruits gymnastics. there. Gymnastics had mm-hmm. recruits there. They probably all did, taking advantage. They should. And it was a yes, absolutely. And it was a terrific atmosphere. I, I don't know how you couldn't have been impressed with that setting on on Saturday. The the weather certainly helped. Um I think the only way it could have been better had that been a six o'clock game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it would have been even better for a night game at Jordan Hare. Uh, but but to to watch how well that Auburn team played, yeah, was it was it perfect? No, far from it. Did it sting? I mean you 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 listen to Hugh Freeze and those players talk after the game and that game stung. That hurt. And you know what? It should. And I'm glad that it did. I'm not glad that they lost, but I'm glad that it affected them as much as it did. And you know, Auburn runs for over 200 yards against a defense that hadn't done, hadn't given that up in a long time. But Auburn's got to get better, certainly, in the uh, in the passing game. The way Auburn's defense played against the rush for Georgia was inspiring to me. And then in the fourth quarter, the passing game for Georgia took over, and and we found out, not that we didn't know this, but we found out just how good Brock Bowers is as an offensive threat. Or for the Bulldogs. And, and I, you know, going into that last drive for Georgia, my thought was, can, can you get one more turnover here if you're Auburn? One more turnover. And, and just couldn't get that. And then hats off to Georgia for its third down conversions, especially in the fourth quarter play, because that, that and the fact that Auburn failed to get the third downs that it needed in the ball game turned out to me, and in my opinion, to be the big difference. In, a, in what was a seven-point loss for the Tigers. And, and I don't want to gloss over uh, the, the fact that, that it was, in, in fact, a loss, but I think you can take positive steps and, and you, can take, uh, you, you can take things from, from a game like that. And the fact that, I pointed out yesterday, the fact that we're talking about individual plays in the second half that could have swung the game for Auburn, like, yes, a, a one-possession loss in a game where you had a lead in the second half stings, but... It's a different kind of pain than forty-two to three or or, or thirty-eight to six. Right? The last couple of years. The, the I Penn, mean, look at look Penn, at the last couple of years against Penn Georgia. State was up. Penn State was up thirty-four to six when the fourth quarter started. Uh, when, when that like it's it's a different kind of feeling coming out of it. And I know there are people frustrated that Auburn hasn't beaten Georgia in X number of years, or they haven't beaten a top ten team or whatever. But but I think it's. Like perspective is so important, and what, what I what I saw on Saturday, while not perfect, like you said, Andy, uh, it's it's hard not to come away thinking this 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 is the foundation of something that that Hugh Freeze is building. You're moving in the right spot. You're moving in the right direction. And guys, they were moving in the right direction from a week ago at Texas A&M. This wasn't just an overall picture of the program. Auburn played a better football game than it did a week ago mm-hmm. in College Station against arguably a better football team in Georgia. Now, will this Georgia team go to undefeated this season? I don't know. Uh, I think you've, you, we found that this team can be beaten, and it was almost beaten by a team that was unranked and a 17-and-a-half-point underdog going into that game. 
But I think part of that is the way this team plays for Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff and the way this Auburn family has rallied around this football team. It was a fabulous atmosphere Saturday. And it was a thrill to sit in that press box and call that game in that kind of atmosphere on Saturday. And it's not going to be the last time that we're going to get that thrill of watching that team play in front of that, that family on a, on a Saturday at Jordan Hare stadium. It was a, and listen, I walked away from that. And my thought was this, this program, this team is headed in the right direction oh, at I, this point. I absolutely agree with that. And, and, you know, Texas A&M may be a little better than, than some folks had thought too. I was, I was more than a little surprised at uh, how easily they handled Arkansas on Saturday. And they got Alabama coming in this Saturday. So we'll find out a little bit more about A&M. But, uh, but Andy, one thing I, I wanted you to talk about and something that I don't think we've talked about enough this year is the play of the Auburn defense. This, yes. This defense has been they, – they, they have been solid, better than that. They have been really good – throughout and they have yeah. they, they have been losing players I mean they don't have Keontae Scott for a while they haven't had uh, Austin Keys uh, Donovan Kaufman has missed some time Jalen Simpson went down Saturday and that may have been as big a loss to, to not have him full speed because I thought he was doing a great job on Brock Bowers until he got hurt what a start to the season Jalen yeah. yeah, Simpson as, is that as, as much as we have talked about Eugene Asante this season and it has been warranted the leader on this defense is Jalen Simpson to me. He's the veteran leader on this team. Another interception for Jalen in a spectacular play yes. in the first quarter. I mean, that was a spectacular uh, interception for, for Jalen. But, yeah, that, that hurt That hurt not having a, a healthy Jalen Simpson in the second half. But I, I get this question a lot in, in the better, various radio hits that I'm doing on a weekly basis. What are your surprises? And my, my most pleasant surprise has been this defense. Because mm-hmm. I, I, when, I, when I did the pregame show with Hugh Freeze, and we know that he can be rather candid in his comments. He doesn't shy away from questions. And I asked him before the UMass game, can this defense stop the run? And his answer was, I don't know. That was before UMass. Right. And then you go to Cal – with a really with an even better running game, and we didn't know if they could stop the run, and they certainly did that day. They stopped the run pretty well all season. That's the pleasant surprise to me of this team, Dan, is the way this defense has played. Even with the fourth quarter comeback by Georgia, even with the third down conversions that Georgia had from Carson Beck and and Brock Bowers in in that game, this defense has been. The pleasant surprise. And here's one thing that I, I've not talked about yet, and I wanted to today, because I didn't think that he had had the kind of season that we expect from him, but I thought we did on Saturday, and that was the work of Oscar Chapman as Auburn's punter. A 71-yarder at the end of the first half when they came after him, when they were trying to block a punt, and he was able to, to basically run out the first half with that 71-yard punt. I thought it was one of the best days that Oscar Chapman has had in an Auburn uniform, and that came against the number one team in the country on Saturday. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not a team where you can afford to give up. No. Like the, the hidden yards are so important. And, stuff like that. And, and, and briefly on the Auburn defense, too. Like we, we said last week that it's so important 
for the Auburn offense to get off to a good start and avoid mistakes against, you know, if you're, if you're going to pull off an upset against Georgia, there was pressure on this defense to go, uh, you know, to, to, to contribute those first few drives and keep Georgia from turning uh, their early drives into points. And they held up their end early on. And you, you named a couple of players there. I would also single out Marcus Harris. Yeah, that, you're right. That, that's, to me, Mark, and, and, and I, I, I almost hesitate to say this because it won't make sense. But for a guy that plays on the interior of a defensive line, he, to me, he was everywhere on Saturday. And that, you don't say that very often of a guy that plays in the middle of a defensive line. But think about his, his pass deflection that came in the fourth quarter. He came off the edge on that play. He was the outside guy when he stuck up the hand and knocked that ball down. Uh, yeah, Marcus Harris had a terrific game for the Tigers. And you know what? They'll need that when they go to LSU in a couple weeks. Boy, you're not kidding. I mean, uh, all, the, ne- the next couple of ball games, Auburn's going to play a couple of offenses that can really light it up. Before we before we move on to that, though, yeah, to Oscar, I mean, he's so good that the expectations had been uh, right. he's going to average 45 to 50, and he hadn't. But he was he was spectacular Saturday, and good to see the Ray Guy folks honoring him as the punter yeah. national punter of the week. Yeah, and, and how how often does that happen for a for a guy that plays for a team that didn't win? Right, but he did. He was he was terrific, and we're kind of starting to expect that a little bit from Alex McPherson, aren't we? Mm-hmm. As Auburn's place kicker, eleven straight. Yeah, he doesn't miss that he's had dating back to last year. You know, he had he had two more in this ball game. And just, you know, his extra, I like to watch his extra points because they're never close to missing. They are right <laughs> down the middle. Right. In this day and age, uh, when we, and we see it even more in the NFL level because it's out further. But uh, as a matter, I was surprised with his second field goal that was coming towards us in the press box and towards the Auburn students that it barely got inside the right upright because typically you expect his to go right down the middle. I'm thinking I'm thinking an NIL deal uh, for Evan uh, with, uh, with with Big Max or with Alex. Yeah, Evan's the older brother. Yeah. Alex, yeah. Alex I'm thinking I'm thinking Big Mac. Maybe maybe it could be from a Little could, Mac. That, that's that's right from from Little Mac <laughs> a, a, a Big Mac. <laughs> oh man. All right, so this week obviously one of the most important things is try to Health. get as healthy as they can. Yeah. Yeah, and especially with those guys that you talked about in, in Donovan Kaufman and Jalen Simpson, you hope that those guys, you know, get some help this week. And I, I know they're going to be given that opportunity to be healthy and to, and to get Nehemiah Pritchett back mm-hmm. to, to full health because we've seen him the last couple ball games. He is obviously one of Auburn's best cover corners. That needs to continue. A J.D. Rim who has been fighting it, you know, throughout this season. You know, I don't know how close they're getting to an Austin Keys at this point. Um, so I, I don't know really realistically uh, when they're going to start talking about Austin Keys coming back. But to me, it's the, that it's, it's the back guys. It's the, it's the, the specs the secondary that you want to see those guys get healthy. And then let's, let's throw in a, a very healthy Jalen McLeod as well, coming off the edge for this Tiger team. Yeah. Again, I tell you what, against uh, Jalen Daniels, uh, you you Ooh. can't you can't expect to sack him. You just you just don't want him to break contain. Man, he is such a dangerous runner as well as passer. Uh, that that's going to be quite the challenge. Auburn 
you know, it's Auburn needed this open date right now. I don't think there's any question they needed it to to get healthy, to try to, you know, um, just get get more ready for this this next run that they have. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, I mean, Andy just Andy just mentioned Jalen McLeod, and I want, I want to say too, like if there's one play from the Georgia game, and I'm not, there, it's no one on Auburn's fault because it would have been a spectacular play. If there's one game, if there's one play from the from the Georgia game where you could have it back or you could mulligan it, maybe it's Cam Riley oh, ne- nearly on. getting that yeah. interception when Auburn's up seven in the I think that's late third quarter. And that that's a Jalen McLeod hit that, well, that causes and, that ball to go up in the air, and Cam very nearly comes up yeah, with that. Well, let, that, let me one up. Let me one up that if I can. If I've got a second, the play that that um, Marcus Harris made to knock the ball down in the fourth quarter, right? I, I believe it was the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and I didn't see this first time around. We saw it in the replay. If he doesn't knock that ball down, Zion Puckett has jumped the route. Oh, did not see that. Yes. yes, yes, Now, do you ask Marcus Harris not to knock the ball down? Absolutely not. But 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 Zion had jumped the route back there. Mm. Let that one settle in for a second. Yeah. Well, you know what? And and it, as bad as it hurts, as much as it stings, it's so much better to be able to have a game that you go if this. If that right. we win the game, as opposed to you know losing by three or more scores, which Agre- Auburn's agreed. done a couple of times yeah. against and, Georgia, and Auburn will face by far its best offense in the next game, and then we'll be able to say the same thing in two weeks. Right. It's the best offense that Auburn has faced in the in consecutive weeks between LSU and Ole Miss. Well, those two teams accounted for thirteen hundred yards total yes. offense between them last week in an unbelievable exactly. game. Hey, at least we get to watch some of those teams. This week, I mentioned Texas A&M and Alabama. LSU goes to unbeaten Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Auburn has an off week this week. Yep. Hey, have you got a run? No, All I'm right. good. good. I'm good until the top. All right, good. We'll get to our final break. Want to get a thought or two on basketball and then find out everything that folks, you know, everything that's going on with uh, Tiger Talk and more when we come back here on the Tuesday Drive. The Lee County Historical.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final few minutes of hour number one before we uh, run out of time with Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers. Auburn basketball practicing, and, and I see that uh, uh, Bruce saying, well, yeah. it's good news, bad news, good news. Yeah. We scored a lot of points. Bad news is we gave up a lot of points because it was a scrimmage. Yeah. It, it's one of those coaches coming away from a scrimmage. You know, we, we heard we heard uh, Hugh Freeze say the same thing yep. after some of those Saturday scrimmages. Regardless of who had a good day, he's concerned about the other part of it. And although I've got to think that Bruce Pearl was thrilled to see the offense oh, yeah. play as well as it did. Now, doesn't mean that the defense isn't a concern at this point and, and something I know that they'll, they'll be working on, but to see the team shoot it better, mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to see if they were, they were getting ready to scrimmage when we were having our, our little, our meal before the, uh, before the tiger tailgate show on Saturday. So it's good to see them shoot the ball. Well, that's one of the reasons that Denver Jones is playing for Auburn this season, the transfer from Florida international, 
who will get a great opportunity to fill in at that two spot for Zepp Jasper. And it's a totally different dynamic than at the two for Auburn because Zepp was such a good on-ball defender and Denver is there to shoot the, shoot the basketball for the Tigers. And we all know and agree, I believe, that Auburn has to shoot the ball better from the perimeter this season. I think they will get better outside shooting from Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson. And as, and as excited as we are about Holloway, you're the McDonald's All-American that comes in. Uh, Trey is not ready to give up that spot at point guard. And I believe in just watching some of the practices and um, so far this season, that's a young man that is, is ready to assume the role as Auburn's starting point guard and I think is taking on some leadership capabilities as a, as a true sophomore for Auburn at that point guard spot. So there's a couple of things that I've noticed in, in being able to, to get the basketball practice. So far this season, Bill. Yeah, once again, a lot of excitement. Uh, Season tickets sold out. I believe some individuals go on sale tomorrow. Andy, uh, we're we're out of time. Let everybody know what is uh, what's on tap for uh, for Tiger Talk this week. All right, Tiger Talk Thursday night at six o'clock over on Wings ninety four three. Hugh Freeze, Bruce Pearl, Johnny Harris, and Nick Kleinard will all be represented on Tiger Talk Thursday night. Of course, no game this week. Our pregame coverage in Baton Rouge a week from Saturday will start at either 3 or 3.30, depending if Auburn plays at 6 or 6.30 in Baton Rouge. That's great, Andy. We will uh, talk to you again next week. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of the week. My pleasure, guys. Have a great day. Andy Burcham, voice of the Tigers, joining us as he does on Tuesday afternoons. We need to get to our midway break, top of the hour break, back with hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. The sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Another nice afternoon. We've had very pleasant weather. Again, I said it yesterday, we're, we're not getting much rain, but, I mean, it is just beautiful weather here uh, for the fall. We're not as warm as we've seen at other times, so uh, enjoy that. An open week for football. Auburn needs that as the uh, Tigers pretty banged up. They've got a lot of guys that have been playing with uh, more than just bumps and bruises and some other guys that have been out. So hopefully they're able to get them back. It is a, it's, it's a big week, though, for, for, for Auburn football as they try to get everybody healthy. Uh, the coaches will recruit quite a bit this week following the huge turnout of recruits on campus this past weekend. And Auburn looking to, you know, bounce back after that 27-20 loss with the uh, Quite the task. Two explosive offensive teams up next for the Tigers. But again, they've got the week off. If you didn't get a chance to get through yesterday and uh, give us your thoughts on the Auburn-Georgia game from this past weekend, we'd love for you to join in. Tell us what you what you thought of the game, what you think of the uh, Tigers now as we approach the midseason mark. I mean, we've got an open date and then 
we're halfway through with the season after the trip to Baton Rouge. And, and I've heard from people who suggest, you know, aren't you worried that if Auburn can't win some of these games against its chief rivals, the best teams in the West, if Auburn can't win you know, one, one or more of these games, are you worried that it will have an impact on Auburn's ability to recruit players against these teams? And, and I think it's fair to wonder. Well, if, if we were in year two or three, I, I'd worry more about well, that. I think right now the, the effort that Auburn is putting out, the show of support that there is from the fans that we've seen at the home games, um, Auburn, has, Auburn was as competitive as anyone has been against Georgia over the last three years. Missouri was last year. That was at two teams. Two, yeah. in, in 18 SEC games. I told you that at the start of the show yesterday. Right. Bro. I mean, 18 SEC games since the start of the 21 season. Yeah, Georgia's won all of them. Uh, 16 of them by 10 or more points, you know, these two. You know, I, but, but I would think, Bill, that the reason Auburn hired somebody with a track record like Hugh Freeze is because you know, it's, it's not just belief. You look at that first year at Ole Miss. They were 3-5 and five in the league. They lost by 19 or more multiple times to good teams, and Hugh Freeze was still able to sell that on the recruiting trail, yeah, the offense is you know the offense is a little bit more productive in in that first year at Ole Miss uh, than it than it's been in, in his first year at Auburn. Uh, but no, I I'm not. Yeah, I'm with you. Like it would take multiple years of of it not producing on the recruiting trail for me to worry because I would think this year I, I'm uh, I would be surprised if if Hugh Freeze struggled to recruit and and it would be I mean that that you know it, it would probably be something concerning moving forward oh, sure. but no I, I think Hugh Freeze is going to be able to uh is, is going to be able to sell this as w- whether it's players seeing it and thinking I you know I want to be part of all of this including the stadium atmosphere and all that or seeing the field and thinking I could I could be on the field very soon oh yeah they're, you know, they're contributing some, there's some of the recruits that were in this past weekend that have even uh hinted that yeah they felt like they could have made a difference in the ball game Saturday and right. that's that's exactly what you pitch yeah, and, and Hugh Freeze has done this before, you know, trying to uh, inject a roster with, uh, with with a lot of talent to get them competitive with the best teams in the league, blown out by Georgia and Alabama his first year at Ole Miss, and still able to convince some players to sign up and, and come play for Ole Miss mm-hmm. in the uh, in in the years years following that first season. Yeah, so this is a this will this will be a big week recruiting, recuperating, and readying for the rest of the season because this is the open date. And uh, this is the toughest stretch that Auburn has. I mean, uh, yes, I know they have, they have Alabama later, but, I mean, this, this stretch right here, uh, and we knew that with uh, four teams that were all ranked in the preseason that Auburn had with A&M, Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss. Yeah, you know, it's, you can argue, like, is the toughest two-game stretch on Auburn's schedule without a bye week, is the toughest two-game stretch A&M and Georgia back-to-back, or is it Ole Miss, is it LSU and Ole Miss back-to-back? But those are the two answers. Like, those, right. those are your two choices, and Auburn's about to have both of them, uh, you know, with, with a bye week in between. And, yeah, it's a big uh, big two-week stretch for Auburn with, uh, uh, with LSU and Ole Miss coming up after the bye. We, uh, we will have Jake Crane of Crane & Company join us at the bottom of, the, uh, at the bottom of this hour. Uh, but until then, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. You can uh, text us on the drive text box. 334-564-1840 is how you get through on the text box. 
presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Let's get to the phone and Rain Man. Hey, man, it's been a while. It has, man. How are you guys? Doing all right. Good to hear from you, Rain Man. Well, uh, Bill and I were speaking the other day. He happened to say me, and he said, Rain Man, you wouldn't believe it, but there's no controversy in Auburn football. Nobody calls the show and gripes or fusses or complains or bickers about anything anymore. Did and we I need you that? to call in. He said, we need you to call in and liven things up a little bit and say something out. And I didn't really say that. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't I, really I, say that. I mean, it's not, you know, everybody's not everybody's not holding hands and singing Kumbaya yet. But I mean, Oh, my goodness. Uh, but I did tell you, I'm going to say it again. I told several people preseason and every step of the way, I thought all along that 7-5 and five was a good mark for this team. And that's where we'd end up. And we'd probably end up in uh, – the Outback Bowl against Wisconsin. And, and what did you say to me? I said, oh, no, not Wisconsin again. But, you know, the Outback, <laughs> Bowl, the Outback Bowl would be a great reward for this team and I think uh, I think the Auburn fans. Well, I, I'm going to go back with you. I, I don't know that I'm going to really play Wisconsin the Outback Bowl again either. And I mentioned I didn't want to end up in a cold weather city like Nashville for the Liberty Bowl. And you said the Liberty Bowl's in Memphis. And I thought I like Memphis. Maybe I wouldn't mind that. Uh, we could we could go up to Memphis and have a good time up there. I don't mind so much, but uh, so who would we play? Who's the tie-in for the Liberty Bowl? Let me uh, let me let me check. Uh, you know, someone from yesterday. Maybe a Mac team or something. I don't even know. Let me check who's doing the bowl projections. Uh, well, you know, next, next year we'll have the Big Ten champion University of Southern California Trojans against the uh, Big Twelve champion of Washington in the Rose Bowl because that's the tie-in on those, right? Man, it is so hard to keep up with who's going where, and and yeah, the, the poor, poor, uh, poor bowls that wanted those the Pac-12 matchup, the Pac-12. I tell you what, the the leftovers from the Pac-12 are still better than uh, than than some of the other teams, but uh, well, I mean, it's it's, it's uh, too confusing to keep up with. So while you guys are looking up who we would who we might would play in the Liberty Bowl, uh, I'm going to ask a series of questions, maybe or, or some ideas here that I'm confused on. Uh-huh. You can help me out. So this NIL thing, theoretically, a business owner is investing money into a, a player's name, image, and likeness as an endorsement of their business, which sounds to me like two business expenses. One would be advertising for, say, the commercial, and the other would be a 1099 subcontracted employee that you're paying for the use of them. So then all these players are now subcontracted, I don't know, once for one guy for a hundred grand or maybe ten grand from ten different people. So that's a lot of ten ninety nines to get out of tax season and for them to file taxes on. Who is responsible for tracking which which players are given which money from which advertising dollars and ten ninety nining these people and all of the taxes. What do you, and has all that actually been worked out yet? What do you mean? Who's like is the IRS? I mean, because the, the IRS university no, 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 responsible so, for that. So the universe, Does each business know who they paid money to among the players for what? I mean, the university is, I, I guess, responsible. Sort of an interesting word because I think the university is. I think universities are compelled to provide resources to student athletes to help with things like bookkeeping. Oh. For NIL, I don't know if a university could be held liable if an athlete got in trouble uh, with, with their NIL, but they would be without the services. They have advisors of, of and 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 folks that are that that are trying to help them. But you're right; it's it's not like uh, it's not like your paid account accountant 
to keep up with that. Because, but you're right. You're, you're absolutely right about that, Rain Man. I mean, well, there's so, a so lot there's that's like involved a, in here that, that that you know the average folks may not have thought about the uh, the tax implications and the the forms that have to be um, you know that have to be dealt with. But universities so are deliberately like keeping they're keeping an arm's length as far as you know being officially involved in relationships between. Oh, student I'm sure they are. Legally, yeah. it's probably best. So does Golden Flake have to send out like every player a 1099 for like ten thousand dollars if they've dumped a certain amount of money into the the fund? Or or I believe is, so. Like, I think I think that is. I think that's got to be a mess to keep up with now, somewhere, some way, somehow. And that's where and that's where some of these collectives step in, right? Because some of the players use the collectives or their individual representation, and then what's happening is Golden Flake would be paying a collective, and then a collective could be like there's there's different ways this could be working. Where you, you know what all this sounds like, don't you? <laughs> What's that? It sounds like a business. Uh, I'm not indeed. a tax attorney or, or, or a business owner or business manager. Well, I have some of those things, but it sounds like a business. Uh, it, it is. No question about it. A <laughs> big, we big, figure big, out who we play in the Liberty Bowl yet? Oh, let me, yeah. So, so looking up the, uh, looking up the bowl tie-ins, because I know ESPN does their, their projections, and I know one of the, one of the two, I think Mark Schlebaugh has – so someone's got Auburn in the Gasparilla Bowl, uh, which is Tampa, uh, on December 22nd, where they would play SMU. But uh, that's, bon- that's Bonagura, uh, who has Auburn in the uh, – so that's Raymond James Stadium in Tampa on Friday, December 22nd, against SMU. And then the other projection is Birmingham, protective God, stadium. No, let's don't do that. Auburn, no, let's don't do that. Auburn yeah. Tulane in Birmingham on Saturday the 23rd. But the question, the I guess, what, what Rayman was wondering is what conferences if we, if we got the Liberty have tie-ins like at the yeah. Liberty Bowl? Right, the, so who, who do they have in Liberty the Bowl? The Liberty Bowl is, a, I believe it's Big 12 SEC now. Okay, Big 12. Then. The Both both of the ESPN.com folks project BYU versus Missouri in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, I'm going to say Auburn versus Colorado. That's what I'm going to predict. That sounds big, fun, doesn't it? Big 12, not Pac-12. Yeah, Colorado is oh, going so, back to the uh, Big 12, Big 12 right there in the Pac-12. Colorado's in the Pac-12. No, so we're talking, uh, <laughs> hey, you know. You, Oregon, no, Oklahoma, no, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma right, State, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, Oklahoma. No, I thought they were in the ACC now. That's, yeah, so, oh, yeah. Colorado, one of uh, not yet. Colorado and Utah leaving for the Big Twelve next year, uh, but they are both ah. they're both Pac twelve teams this yeah, season. Yeah, it's tough to keep up with, but but no, the, some of those are future te- our teams. Hey, I've, I've already lost track. Next year when we play California, they'll be in the ACC. Right? It's Auburn's last football game against BYU. That'd be all right. Well, I haven't I mean, played that, BYU in a while. Has, has Auburn played BYU in football? Because that's, I mean, that, that, could, that could be your. Or, you know, how about this? How about Auburn sees Gus? How about you? How about, hey, how about UCF? Florida, that'd be fun, there's too. Your, there's, your, there's your Big 12 yeah. opponent right there. Maybe maybe Hugh and Gus get together in. Uh, <laughs> that would sell, in, that in, would sell a few tickets. I think people would want to see Gus and Hugh. I, I, together. I'm open to it, man. Let's go. Uh, you guys have a good one. Hey, good hearing from you, Rain Man. Yes, sir. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And, so, and so you, you and Gus are, you know, besties. The so. new uh, the new Big Twelve teams have struggled uh, thus far. I believe the four the four new additions to that league. I don't think they've beaten anyone except there was a matchup between two of those teams and somebody had to win. But I think other than that, it's since it's Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Center UCF. That was one of the BYU worst losses. Got to be one of the worst losses in Gus's career SMU? this past week. Are those the four? Or Houston. Houston is the new one. Yeah, it's Houston, Cincinnati, 
SM, or it's Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU. I believe your new Big 12 teams, they have, they have struggled. Yeah, Gus, thus, Gus thus had a 35-7 lead and lost Saturday. Yeah, Gus. All right, we'll get to our first break of hour number two. Love for you to join in. Again, Jake Crane will join us at the bottom of the hour, but we're wide open right now, 334-321-1390 as we continue with the Tuesday Drive. The Lee County Historical Society and the Tuffy at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive, 18 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Before we get back to the phones, Jerry, yeah, we were just uh, talking during the break about, you know, another one of the big ball games this week. And there's some interesting games this week. You've got the, what is it now, the Red River Rivalry with uh, Texas and Oklahoma, with with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey in attendance. That's right. I mean, as, is, as he'll welcome. As I heard earlier today, that is the first time anyone can find during a regular season that the commissioner of one conference went to watch a game between two teams in another conference. However, they will be in his conference yeah. next year. And, and the Big Ten commissioner could be at the USC-UCLA <laughs> game right. l- l- later this year as, <laughs> as teams start to – maybe the Big 12 commissioner goes to Colorado-Utah. Like, there, there, are, there are a couple of these. You know, That's we don't, crazy. We don't usually have games like this going on. No, you're right. An interesting – I mean, LSU going to uh, Missouri, an undefeated yep. Missouri team, uh, LSU a slight favorite – on the road in that game. You got Kentucky at Georgia. Kentucky and Georgia. Mark, teams. Mark Stoops, 0-10 against Georgia as the mm-hmm. Kentucky head coach looking to us. After turning the tide in the Florida rivalry, right? You, you think about Kentucky. Right. Kentucky went generations without beating the Florida Gators. Now they beat Florida somewhat routinely. And yeah, three straight, four out of five. Yeah, I mean, now, now they, they beat Florida with little difficulty. It's Georgia that that's the the rivalry. Can you know Kentucky can't uh, uh, that that's that's the one they're trying to get a hold of now, and uh, they will get uh, Mark Stoops will get an eleventh shot at Georgia after going zero and ten in his first uh, his first ten. Yeah, well, the, one uh, of the things Georgia. you were saying was just look at the difference from year one to year two with a couple of teams, including Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Miami. Oklahoma and Miami are two of the more impressive teams to me in, in the country, and they're both year two. I just think about probably. I mean, two of the most improved teams from where they were last year. Colorado, certainly people will point to as another one, and and understandably so. But Miami and Oklahoma both belong in the top ten. I think Miami's loss or Miami's win against A&M is only going to look better and better Mm -hmm. as A&M gets into conference play. I mean, think about A&M. A&M could beat Alabama this weekend. And you're still looking at a Miami team that was scoring at will against Texas A&M in the second half. I, I won't be shocked at all if Miami beats Florida State. Like, I think they've got that kind of team. That game's coming up a little bit later in the season. That game is uh, uh, what Miami, Miami, Florida State is in Tallahassee on November 11th. I won't be surprised at all if Miami wins that game. And I'll o- be a little surprised. Well, I mean, it's, it's a good, but, but Miami's good. Like, Miami, they is, is, they, they've taken, and Cristobal and Venables have both shown people how drastically teams can improve in this day and age of college football from year one to year mm-hmm. two. Because those, those teams both looked like they were in real trouble. And, and I said, Auburn's playing better than Oklahoma did last year. Yeah, and I think that's – I mean, both of those guys, from the steps they took from year one to year two, I think should give Auburn fans, you know, real hope that yeah, maybe, maybe Auburn with the right people in charge can can take that kind of jump from, uh, uh, from, from year one to year two. Let's get back to the phone, and Jerry is next. Hey, Jerry. Hey, guys. Um, we got a tough road to hoe. I mean, with Ole Miss running up, 
700 yards of offense. That's <laughs> that's unbelievable. Both those both these teams play. You know, it it was like a video game. Uh, it was it was yeah. extremely you know fun to watch. Uh, if if you didn't have a team that they were really really pulling for. Well, uh, I just wanted to say my minimum expectations this year was to go six and six, get to a bowl game. You know, you get an extra month of practice. Uh, get to reward the players for going to a bowl. You know, seven and five is realistic, I believe. Uh, oh, I agree. But, um, you know, that'll help recruiting. Um, but uh, I guess that's about all I had. All right, Jerry. Appreciate it, Jerry. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, that's that's why, I mean, when, you know, fans will say that there's no benefit at all of playing in a meaningless bowl game, the best benefit is that extra month of practice. Although, although with the change timeline, I mean, there, I think there's benefit now to staying home and recruiting instead of going to well, a bowl game. Well, we saw it last year. Auburn was yeah. better off recruiting yes. last year than they were playing in a bowl and game. And Florida went to Las Vegas and played in a game with half their roster and no quarterback and got destroyed on national television uh, during the first weekend that the portal was open for players to take on-campus visits. I mean, it's absolutely fair to wonder if a coach – like it's. I would, I would say if you're talking about – if you're talking about a January 1st bowl or a playoff or something like, no, of course you'd be crazy to turn it down. Six and six, seven and five, unless there's real pressure from the university or the conference to play this game, I I think there's absolutely benefit to staying home and recruiting if, if you need, if, if you're worried about next year's roster because you can use, especially if the bowl game is the weekend that, like a lot of these bowls are the weekend. Yeah, the recruits. early the early bowls are very close to the signing. Florida, signing Florida day. was in Vegas the weekend that recruits could take on campus visits, and you got to be thinking maybe you'd be better off with your coaches on campus showing transfer. It was it was the first weekend that recruits in the portal could go could go oh, make yeah. on campus visits, and it's like where would you rather be right now? Because I I feel like I'd rather have my coaches on campus right now showing next year's transfer portal players around than. In this bowl game, going six and six, but but I you know but I guess that's also it's there's it's about more it's about big picture it's not just uh, the recruiting class but I I do wonder if we're going to see more teams opt out and say no we're we're gonna we're gonna focus on recruiting instead of playing this bowl game. Well, maybe um, you know Billy did a pretty good job recruiting. Maybe that's where their coaches actually were. Maybe they weren't coaching them, <laughs> getting them ready for the bowl game because they sure didn't play like they were coached. But uh, but yeah, I think I think after. Not going a year ago, I think uh, I think Auburn would. I think Hugh and Auburn would probably no, I think like so too. to be yeah. in a bowl. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, there, there's there's benefit to there, there's benefit to not doing it, but there's also yeah, there's there's a reason why you'd want to, uh, especially if you, if you feel like a lot of your roster is sticking around uh, for next year. Yeah, there's there's reason why you'd want to do it. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That is the number to get you through. We've got uh, we've got a few minutes before we get to our bottom of the hour. Again, Andy Bertram, uh, our thanks to the voice of the Tigers being with us in hour number one. Hopefully you got to hear that. If you missed any of it, check out the podcast. Yeah, podcast of The Drive, available however you listen to podcasts. Go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or go to ESPNAU.com and use the Podcast Center. All that's presented by 
Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Uh, Bill, uh, it's uh, Auburn Opelika Week as well. We're going to talk. Oh, it, it is indeed. We're going to talk with Scott Bagwell about that later in the week. But a big, huge. It's a huge game. Yeah. As far as playoffs are concerned, uh, a win and and uh, you know for either team would be very big as you try to in this very very tough region, you know, get yourself positioned for a spot in the postseason. Love that it's a region game again. You know, I, I just think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I know uh, I know we've got we've got listeners on both sides of that one. So I just want to extend mm-hmm. a I want to extend good luck to uh, to everybody. Uh, this week, I mean, you can catch that game on Wings 94.3. Scott and the gang will have the call Friday night. Auburn and Opelika, you are not. Uh, is that that's uh, you? You schedule. You, you set the schedule around Auburn and Opelika on the radio. If you can't go to that game, that's going to be uh, that's going to be outstanding. Uh, Friday night, no question about it. Major League Baseball, we've got one final in the uh, Wild Card Series and the American League. Texas, Jordan Montgomery, a strong seven innings, and the uh, the Rangers knock off. The Rays in game one. Now, remember, these series will not move. They're staying there, staying put. So the, the Rays will maintain their home field advantage, but they're down one nothing in that best of three. Meanwhile, in the other American League wild card series, top six, and Royce Lewis with a pair of homers has uh, staked the homestanding Twins to a 3-1 lead over the Blue Jays with Toronto batting in the top of the sixth, let's get back to the uh, let's get back to the phone lines. Who was up next? Yeah, Alan. Alan. Hey, Alan. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Um, I, I hate to cover this territory, but I do not pay attention to recruiting as a rule. But is, um, is Auburn's quarterback for twenty four? Is he on campus right now? Well, well, you're talking about well, Walker White is is the the recruit. commitment. Yeah, he's the commitment that is playing his senior year. That's Little Rock, right? Yes, like and, he's, he's and up he in is Arkansas. he is going to graduate early, and he'll be on campus in uh, January. Okay, but uh, uh, but, but Hank Hank Brown was the signee from Nashville this past year. He's redshirting, and then you've got. Uh, the the other three that we've seen with with Peyton Robbie and, and Holden, but of of the guys like Walker is the is the quarterback commitment. Right. Um, I mean Auburn could go into the portal looking for quarterback help depending on what happens after the season is over. That they you know yeah. could you know, any, any of these. I mean guys, right but. now, the the Thorn experiment's not going great. I mean I guess Jerry's still out on that as far as you know just dropping in from another program. Um, yeah, Jerry's sure still out on him right now. So I mean I mean. Uh, so at least at least the next quarterback, well, probably will have more time in the system than Thorne has had. Is that, is that yeah? Correct? Probably. I mean, Peyton's got Peyton. You know, Peyton has another year of eligibility. Oh, yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I, I, I thought I thought he played much better this past yeah. Saturday. Um, you know, he's. I, I think it's sort of been a combination of what he what he had done. Uh, it it wasn't exactly the same offense that that he's coming into. And then, you know, like Dan said, Dan said yesterday, Peyton definitely could have helped his teammates out in, in uh, College Station, and he could have gotten some help from his teammates this past we, Saturday against seen, Georgia. We've seen Peyton Thorne play uh, six halves or parts of six halves as Auburn quarterback against Power 5 opponents, Cal, A&M, and Georgia. And I thought of those six, by far his best play was in the first half against Georgia. 
Like that was that was where I mean between the the, the sixty one yard run early, a couple of passes to get on, and, and he made some throws in the second half. His his second best half was probably the second half against Georgia of those of those six games. So while I understand the need for Auburn to get more productivity out of its passing game, I I and and I don't know what the future holds at that position, whether it's someone on this roster or someone committed or someone we don't know about yet who goes into the portal and and decides you know Auburn is the is the answer. Um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm curious to see. If there's further improvement from Peyton Thorne before the uh, before the season's over, and I think Auburn's definitely got to upgrade the receiver room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are they get are they not getting um, separation on these deep sideline? I mean, it's just no, it's not just a really. 50-50. It's a fifty fifty throw every every time. It seems mm-hmm. like, and they're not they're not coming down with. I mean, no, that's so, right. I, I don't understand. Okay, all right, thanks. Hey, appreciate the call, Alan. Three three four. 321-1390. We will go to the phone lines, though, when we come back and check in with Jake Crane of Crane & Company. So stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Three two one one three nine zero. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 534 on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan here in the studio with Drew at the controls. And we will... uh, head to the phones and bring in our regular Tuesday afternoon guest at this time. That, of course, Jake Crane of Crane & Company. How you doing today, Jake? Man, doing great, guys. How are y'all doing? We got uh, football uh, starting tomorrow. I think six out of the seven days every week for the next, what, five, six weeks? So sign me up. Are we Are we doing Wednesday night action? We got, we got some... Uh, it's a little conference USA, man. Ooh. Good old, good old USA. Hey, Jake, how about this? I'm going to go... I'm going to make a wild left turn because we're going to talk a lot of Auburn, Georgia, and everything else going on in the conference. Is there a, is there a group of five or, like, non-major conference team that's really impressed you? Uh, this year, if you want, if you want to pick Kane Womack and the boys after the beating they gave Oklahoma State, you, you can shout them out. But any any uh, mid major uh, in college football that, that's that's really impressed you with the way they've played this season? Man, I, I like Fresno State a lot. Uh, I think they're playing really good football. Um, I, I don't think enough people are talking about them. They go to Wyoming this week. Uh, you know, they lost Jake Hayner, uh, who's with the Saints now. Thought it would take him a little bit of time, but they got the one of the well, it feels like 13 UCF quarterbacks that transferred that, that's playing uh, right now out there. But um, I, I tell you what, man, I, I really like the way that team's put together. You need to you need to start beating the drum for one of my – like I know there are people that fight for like relegation in college sports and all that. So so my, my harebrained idea, Jake, I really want an eight-team group of five playoff. I want a mid-major playoff at, at the D1 level because I think in a year like this – We'd, I mean, you, you shouted out Fresno. I think Air Force would be a tough out for a lot of Air Force is, yeah, right there. Think, but, see, I had Air Force, shoot, I think going 10-2 and two or 11-1. So, I wasn't, I wasn't that surprised. James Madison I think Madison's James, another I, one. There. I think Madison would be a, would be a real tough one for some uh, for, for some They're teams. They're a wagon. I, hey, Wyoming. They're a wagon. Wyoming's got some, Wyoming's got some horses. So, yeah, yeah anyways. Yeah, Wyoming's got some magic if you've seen it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so, they've won some of these games. It's wild. So, anyways, wanted to, wanted to give some of the uh, smaller schools. And, and you know what? In South Alabama, absolutely in this, in yep, this mix as well. Yep, doing a great so, job. Kane's doing a great job. Wanted to shout them out before we get back to our, our regularly scheduled programming. 
Yeah, for all, for Auburn, they've got the week off trying to uh, recover. I mean, really, Auburn's had a lot of guys banged up or or worse than that. But uh, there were there weren't many folks that thought Auburn would play Georgia as tight as they did. I mean, we talked about it last week. Thought that it could be competitive. I don't know that I thought it would still be a seven point game at the end. And it's one of those games where, yeah, man, you're 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 never happy when you lose. There's no no question about that. But I thought the the show that Auburn put on for all the important folks that were there, and I'm not talking about the donors, I'm talking about all the recruits that were yeah. there, was was a very uh, very effective show, I believe, and that's gonna that's gonna uh, show up in the uh, recruiting signings and rankings that'll be coming down the road. Yeah, well, number one, I, I thought the guys fought their guts out. Um, I, you know, I, I thought they left everything on the field. You know, this will be the most, and, and I'm not trying to knock the players, but it's reality. This will be the worst team that Hugh Freeze has while he's at Auburn. And, and for them to be able to put that together, you know, you felt like you had a chance to win. You know, it was mm-hmm. kind of going the way it had to go for Auburn to win. There was a couple adjustments late, but Auburn was going to have to pitch a perfect game from the coaching standpoint and from the player standpoint, and that is so hard to do. But you're right, and, and look, there's no moral victories. Losing should never be acceptable at Auburn, but reality should. You have to know, you have to be present where your feet are. I think this shows you kind of, kind of, you know, how Auburn can punch above their weight while they're building, while Hugh Freeze and this staff is building. I thought the game plans were really good on both sides of the ball. Uh, but now you can look at those recruits and legitimately be able to say, we are you away from beating Georgia. We are you away from being the number one team in the country. It's not like you lost by 30. You were right there at the end. So, look, you know, I, I wanted Auburn to win. We all wanted Auburn to win. Um, but th- there's some small wins in that loss. Yeah, it's amazing. We spent some of Friday's show talking about the 2009 Iron Bowl, which ended up playing out very similarly to the, uh, to, to the Georgia game on Saturday with Auburn as an underdog at home, taking the early lead and, and forcing uh, the other team to play great football in the fourth quarter uh, to come from behind and win. I was thinking, Jake, about uh, in Nick Saban's first year at Alabama when uh, he had a roster that needed work and LSU came in, eventual national champion LSU came in, yeah. and that game went to overtime uh, in, in Tuscaloosa in, in Saban's first year. Like, there are games where, yeah, you didn't see the actual upset happen, but you can tell that the coach who just got there is, is building something and, and starting to, uh, uh, you, know, it, you know, we'll start to see. Uh, it, he'll, he'll, it'll, it'll bear fruit pretty soon. No, no, without a doubt. I mean, it's it's something where again, you know, you got to be able to see the beach through the forest. But the game plan that was put together, the execution of the game plan with personnel that is not at the level that you're competing at against the highest level of personnel, just goes to show you that when it's an even playing field, Auburn's got a coaching staff and a culture that's building that can sustain and take Auburn back to where they should rightfully be. So it, there's, it gives hope is what it does. Yeah, we were talking a little earlier that um, it it's one of those games that's much better, even though it's painful, to be talking about the what-ifs and how close and things like that than the way it's been the last couple of years against Georgia. I mean, Auburn got a couple of turnovers and were so close to having a couple more. But the officials, officials got the calls right. Yeah, yeah, they did. And, and listen, you know, again – the coaching staff had to pitch a perfect game. They almost did. 
the players almost pitched a perfect game. You know, you had the high snap on the fourth down, and then you had that pick, that drop pick, um, that at the end of the day could have could have been big. But, I mean, you had to pitch a perfect game, man. Jake, you were critical, and you weren't the only one, of Peyton Thorne's performance at Texas A&M. And, and I, I said on – and I didn't disagree with – uh, with with too much of it, but I, I thought after the Georgia game, and while Auburn still has things to work out in the passing game, I thought Peyton Thorne took a step forward, uh, not just on the stat sheet, but just watching him. Right, he passed the eye test in a way that he didn't uh, at, at A and M, uh, and yeah, maybe Peyton Thorne could have put uh, his, his team in a better position to win in College Station. Uh, Peyton Thorne's team could have put Peyton Thorne in in a better position to win at times on Saturday against Georgia. Yeah, look, I, I was critical of Peyton. You know, I, I, I thought his toughness was a little bit tested at A&M. It was kind of how quick he was giving up on plays. But, man, he hung in there. Look, he put some balls where they had to be. Mm-hmm. Like, that ball to Malcolm Johnson was a heck of a throw. The throws to Fairweather over the middle in that last drive and then kind of deep in the corner, uh, that was a heck of a throw. Camden, and he ran Camden the ball. Camden Brown, really the, the sideline pass to Camden Brown. The defender, oh, wait, look, defender look, makes he, a play there, but that ball is exactly where it needs to be. Yeah, look, Peyton Thorne at the end of the day, he answered the bell. Look, it it wasn't pretty. This Auburn offense didn't throw for 100 yards again. But Peyton Thorne gave him a chance, and and I thought he answered the bell. Now you got to do it again. You know what I'm saying? Now you got to go down to LSU and do it again. Now, in the meantime, Auburn gets to watch. There's some really interesting ball games this week. Man, first of all, what what a wild one last week, the LSU Ole Miss game. It it looked like uh, uh, that that was – one of the best video games I've ever seen. No defense at all. What do we have, about the uh, 1,300 yards total offense in that game? That was unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's wild, man. That, that was a, the track meet of all track meets, the shootouts of all shootouts. But, you know, it's so weird to me to watch, to watch LSU's defense be physically whipped like they have been in the second half against Florida State, a lot of the game against Arkansas, and the whole game against Ole Miss. The same Ole Miss team, that got physically whipped up front by Tulane and Alabama. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's weird to see something's going on on that defense, and it's sad because LSU's offense is elite. I mean, Jaden Daniels is playing at a really, really high level. You look at those receivers, Malik Neighbors, uh, Brian Thomas, it's, um, it's sad to see. But, look, if anybody can turn it around, LSU's got the personnel to do it. Will they? We'll see. They're kind of in that dream crusher spot now. Missouri have a shot at all this week? I mean, they they've won a couple of ball games where you go, uh, they they're probably going to lose this thing, but uh, you you look up and and Eli's bunch is unbeaten as well. Well, look if LSU's defense keeps playing the way they're playing, yeah, they do have a shot. I mean, Missouri right now is ninth in the country uh, in passing yards per game. I think Brady Cook may be the most one one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country right now. We know how good Luther Burden is. Bees is a really good player. They've got a good college running back in Schrader. I'm interested to see how they handle it up front. I wouldn't be shocked, guys. This, this, overshot, this over-under shot up, too. It went from 62, uh, 62 and a half to 65 today. Uh, LSU's pass defense is bad. Missouri's 101st in pass defense. Don't be shocked if this one gets in the 40s as well. Brady Cook. But yeah, they got a shot. Brady Cook is the new Bo Nix to me in that I, I hear all this stuff from the fan base about how they can't wait for someone else to be playing quarterback. And I watch him and I think, yeah, you know, this guy's, this guy's pretty good. Like, I, I watch him and I, just, I don't I – don't, and, and he's uh, – I, I know he's, he's lacking, like, a signature win at Missouri or, or whatever. But, uh, uh, but no, I, I think you're, you're right. He's underrated and, and maybe at times unfairly maligned uh, by, by the fan base. Well – 
Yeah, well, I mean, last year he was still a young guy, and and he'd have he'd make some wow plays. I mean, if you remember him against Auburn, I mean, he tore Auburn up and down the field last year. Uh, but he'd have we, three to we four. We spent plays a lot of money game. on therapy to block out that Auburn Missouri game from from yeah, last well, year. Yeah, yeah, no, look, yeah, Mevis did. He spent a lot of money on therapy and and uh, and I, I don't know some some mind manipulation because he hit that sixty-one yard against Kansas State like he's never missed a field goal, but. um when you look at Brady Cook, there was always three or four instances last year, and typically when he was outside the pocket improvising, where he would make a mistake. You know, there was a quarterback battle there this year. There ain't a quarterback battle there anymore, I can promise you that, because he's cut down on the mistakes, and, man, he's got some tools. He really does. All right, uh, K- Kentucky. All right, Georgia, Georgia continues to get off the slow starts. They're back in Athens this week, and – here comes Mark Stoops, who's, what, 0-10? Yeah, 21, 21 straight regular season SEC wins for Georgia, dating back to the 2020 Florida game. Uh, and uh, Mark Stoops is 0-10 against Georgia as Kentucky head coach. Yeah, and listen, Ray Davis, the Vanderbilt transfer over there, I mean, it's funny, and, and I don't think we talked about it on this show, but, it, but I went on a, a Florida show and uh, was telling them, you know, a crazy stat going to that Kentucky-Florida game, Kentucky – was one of the top teams in the country in explosive plays, believe it or not. And Florida was one of the worst teams in the country at giving up explosive plays. And, you know, everybody kind of looked at you like you're crazy. And then all of a sudden, they're giving up 75-yard touchdown runs left and right. Devin Leary really didn't have to do anything through the air. But make no mistake, all week this week at practice, Kirby Smart is running around with that bullhorn, screaming to stop the run. I don't trust Devin Leary. I don't trust him to throw them to a win. I don't trust him to make throws under pressure from defenders and in clutch situations. Uh, so I, I tell you what, uh, that over-unders at 49 right now, uh, I, man, I, I love the under in that mm-hmm. game because Georgia's going to come out and play how Georgia plays. They're going to run the ball, set up play action, work it to Bronk. We'll see uh, – to Brock. I mean, I might as well call him Bronk. I may have just invented something there. I don't know. Uh, but I think Ladd McConkie's going to get some more snaps. I like Georgia to win this game. I'm not touching the side. I think it's at 14 and a half, but that under, it's up at 49 right now. This just smells like a 23 to 10 game. All right, so uh, Jimbo Fisher. I think A&M should be in the top 25. I, I think that's a team that, especially after the way they've answered the bell the last two weeks after the, uh, after the, the loss to, uh, to Miami. And, that's, and I think it's a Miami team that's pretty good. I think I'm a little higher on them than, than, than the field. But uh, A&M will be in the top 25 if they can win on Saturday. Uh, they've got Alabama at home. Uh, Bama, two-and-a-half point favorite. I think that line opened a little bit higher. It's moved to, uh, to, to two-and-a-half at, at most places. Uh, what, what's the path to victory uh, for Texas A&M, Jake? Well, look, I mean, uh, you look at Alabama, both these teams have struggled to run the ball. I, I know Alabama ran it better against Mississippi State last week than they pretty much have all year, but Mississippi State is turning into more of that get-right game the longer we go on and longer we go on in the steal. Uh, but that A&M front seven is not going to allow Bama to run the ball at will. I think they're athletic enough to hem Jalen Milrow up uh, you know, enough in the, in the scramble game to where he's going to have to throw to beat them to score points. Now, we'll see if A&M's able to run the ball a little bit better uh, against an Alabama team that has a really good defense, but they've struggled in communication in the back end. And I'm telling you, Max Johnson, A&M's one of the few teams that had the luxury of that backup quarterback mm-hmm. that wasn't an unknown or, or a waiting disaster. I, I don't, you know, I, we don't make our picks till the end of the week, but guys, I, I feel like A and M. I like A and M in this game. I mean, it it does feel like a a situation where, I mean, Milrow's been great since stepping back in. You know, these the, the last two games. Uh, I I think this game is going to be razor thin 
Like it's tough to pick. I, I it's think tough it to pick is out, too. I, to... I mean, listen, in, in Alabama, you're going on the road. How many procedure penalties are they going to get? But like this, I don't think the the district last week they snapped one off Mill Road when he wasn't looking. Like you do things like that in this game on the road with the personnel that A and M has, you you will lose. And this is look, A and M's never played an SEC championship game. Y'all know that. I know that. And I know they got to go. Like I think to Tennessee. I think they got to go to Ole Miss. They're not nearly done, but they win this one. You've got an inside track on the SEC West pretty heavy. So they actually, A&M has not played a true conference road game yet because the Arkansas game was in Dallas. And and that's one of their four road games. They still have to go to Tennessee, Ole Miss, and LSU before the season is over. But a win at home against Alabama. They're not getting getting to Atlanta if they don't win this one. No, 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 they're not. No, no, because here's the thing. LSU's got to beat Bama on the road, too. So if Mm -hmm. LSU loses, that's two conference losses. A&M, they win this one. You got the tiebreaker over Bama. LSU would have two losses. You go in that LSU game without an SEC loss, you're going. That's right. And uh, And if you've never won the SEC West, you better do it this year because because it won't be an SEC West anymore. It ain't going to be around no more. That is right. There's no of, tomorrow, that's yeah. for sure. And speaking of that, uh, you know, we're talking about all the big SEC games. Where is the commissioner this week? He's at the Texas-Oklahoma mm-hmm. game because they're going to be SEC teams next year. Oklahoma quietly, Jake, maybe. And I know, I know. I mean, it's it's not – I mean, they're in the top 15, so it's not that quiet. But I, I think they are on the short list of the most improved teams uh, in college football from last year to this year because they were a mess at times last season. Well, they were a and, mess a and lot I, last I, year. And I think, I think they could win this game on Saturday. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, look, when you look at Oklahoma, a lot of their problem last year um, was that defensively they didn't have the athletes to be able to stop people when they got to the second level. I mean, Oklahoma was giving up more explosive plays than Area 51. Now he in the transfer portal, Brent's got his guys in there. And, and when I'm looking at this game, the key is Texas right now is running the ball at six yards a clip. Now that's against Baylor and Kansas and some of these other teams, but you're still pushing people around. Jonathan Brooks, it seems like they found their back. Oklahoma's not running the ball very well. They have got to have some semblance of a running game because Jeff Levy's not going to be able to supplement the short passing game against Texas's defense uh, in, in substitution for the run game. So if Oklahoma's able to get a little bit on the ground, I think this, guys, I think this game is going to be tight. I think these are the two best teams in the Big 12. Um, I, I can't wait for it. Yeah, so some really fun games this week. Jake, we're right up against it completely out of time. Uh, great stuff, as always. Let everybody know what you got coming up and how they can get it. Oh, man, we're we're full board at Crandon Company. We're live each weekday morning, uh, 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central. We have live call-ins, a live chat, talking a bunch of Auburn. Um, you know, looking, looking forward to the future as well. Uh, if you can't catch it live, it stays on YouTube. That's the best way to find us. Just go to Crandon Company, C-R-A-I-N and company and uh, go check us out talking everything nfl college football and it's a great time man so uh come hang out with us no question thanks jake have a great week see you jake all right see you need to get to our final break back to wrap it up here on the tuesday drive drive the drive with bill cameron and dan peck on espn 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final minute or so here on the Tuesday Drive. And our thanks to Jake Crane for joining us. Uh, Don't forget, here on uh, ESPN 106.7 coming up, 
in a little while. We will have the Marlins-Phillies. That game will be – that's the, the, the broadcast you can hear tonight. Also got the Brewers and the D-backs. That will be getting underway here shortly as the Twins look to, uh, to wrap up their game that's going on right now in the AL wild card. Tomorrow's edition of the show will feature uh, – Jason Caldwell from uh, Auburn 24-7 in the first hour. And Asante Samuel, Tiger Takes, in hour number two. Yeah, I'll, I'll be talking with Eugene uh, tomorrow morning. Yeah. For our, for oh, did our I say replay. Asante Samuel? You did. Eugene Asante. That's why I Eugene had that Asante. strange look. But, but yeah, that, that coming up tomorrow afternoon as well. Hopefully you'll join us then. We're out of time, though, here on the Tuesday Drive. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.